question for you. How regularly could you say that you experience joy and peace in daily basis? Perhaps you're like most of us here, and you wouldn't be able to say that you feel it on a daily basis, that you feel the experience of joy and of peace on a regular basis, even. For some people who lack the sense of joy, who lack the sense of peace, those people end up living in a lot of doubt, a lot, a lot of questions about their faith. Like, I thought I was supposed to rejoice always. That's what the Bible says, right? And the Bible also says in Romans chapter 5 that we have peace with God. So if I'm not experiencing joy and peace in a, in a present moment, what is it? Why don't I have that? Don't I have Jesus at all? Is something wrong with me? Should I be guilty of something because I don't have joy and peace as I ought to? Because if I truly knew Jesus, I would have joy and peace, right? I want to read for us this morning the way that Paul ends this section of Romans chapter 15. It's just verse 13. We'll see something that's encouraging for us this morning. Romans 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Here's the thing. We ought not overestimate joy and peace as a mark of our Christian life. Because there are people who have a lot of joy in their life that, that results in happiness. They might be satisfied with their, their season of life, and so they experience joy and satisfaction. They're content, and they may even have happiness experienced, but it doesn't mean they have eternal happiness, eternal joy, eternal rest. There's those who have a lot of peace in this life. In this moment, they think they're at peace. They may even think they're at peace with God. You know, in uh, Matthew chapter 7, there were this group of people who had finally died and they came to Christ and uh, they said, Lord, Lord, like, let, let us in. And he said, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, for I don't even know you. And they said, yeah, but we, didn't, we, didn't we do this thing and do that thing and do this in your, in your name? Shouldn't, aren't we at peace with you? We thought we were at peace. We lived life thinking we were okay. We weren't troubled in our heart whether we were going to heaven or not. We were convinced of it because we had done X, Y, and Z. We had gone to church. We had served God. We had done all that we thought we were supposed to do. We checked all the boxes. So we lived at peace. And Jesus says, you shouldn't have. I don't even know you. You have no real relationship with me. You've done a list of things, but who are you? You did them for your own self. So there's those who live with a false and not lasting sense of joy and those who live with a false and not lasting sense of peace. And so we ought not overestimate peace and joy in this life as signs that we're okay with Jesus. Let us not look to those signs only, those fruits, those feelings only to say, yes, I know I'm right with Jesus because I'm experiencing joy every single day or because I'm experiencing peace every day. There are those who experience joy and peace who don't. No Christ. It's just the reality. But we know that joy and peace do come from a relationship with God. It is a fruit of that. Because we rejoice in knowing God, don't we? We rejoice in knowing Him, that we were those who didn't have a relationship with Him. We didn't know Him. All we knew were our own thoughts, our own failures. 
But yet, when we get to know God through Christ, we do experience joy. We, we are finally, there, there's something in us that is satisfied, that is suddenly content. We realize that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. We have joy because we have forgiveness realized. The thing we don't deserve to be forgiven by God, the one we offended through Jesus, we have forgiveness. That, that brings joy, that brings contentment, that brings satisfaction because until that point where you realize Jesus paid it all, you're still going to be living trying to get out of that guilt and trying to get out of that shame. You'll never have true joy if you're guilt-ridden, if you're full of shame, and if you are constantly condemned. If you feel like at any moment God could strike you with lightning, if you feel like when you die it's kind of up in the air, flip-flop whether you go to heaven or hell, if you live in that sort of life, you're feeling condemned all the time, there is no experience of true joy, satisfaction, and contentment. So, when you experience and you understand the forgiveness of Christ towards you, you can have joy. You can have true joy. You can have joy when you realize that there is a home for you in heaven based not on your own doing, which flip-flops from day to day, but based on God's doing in Christ, the finished work of His perfect Son. You have joy, satisfaction, contentment, where you do not have to worry. You have joy when you have peace with God. Trusting that that peace is not just for a moment, that peace is forever. We ought not look to those fruits of peace and joy as the only fruit of our walk with Jesus, that if we feel like we are lacking them, that we may not be with Jesus at all. Remember, an apple tree in the middle of December has no leaves. Is the tree dead? No. The tree lives, but yet the season it shows that it may appear to be dead. It shows that it is a pretty a grim situation. There's no leaves. There's no signs of life. There's no signs in the, in the believer sometimes in your life and my life of joy experienced. There's no sign of a peace experience. We just seem to be at turmoil. There seems to be affliction. There seems to be dissatisfaction with our current situation. But just like the apple tree, it doesn't mean we're dead. It doesn't mean we don't belong to Jesus. It doesn't mean that our faith is forgotten. Here's the reality. It is better to walk with Jesus in constant agony than to walk in ease alone. It is better to walk your entire life in agony with Jesus than to have ease your entire life without Him, because that ease never lasts. And, and all of us know that from our experience of life. Ease never lasts. So if you're looking to ease and comfort as the ultimate joy bringer, the ultimate peace bringer, you're going to be dissatisfied. The ease and the comfort never lasts. Something always happens. Relationships crumble. Someone disappoints you. You screw up. The money's gone. Your health fails. The ease and the comfort does not last. And so to walk through life of ease and comfort thinking, I don't need Jesus, it is silly. Because the ease and the comfort does not last. But agony comes and agony goes. And if you have Jesus, you are satisfied. Ultimately, He's with you. Even as Christians, though, we sometimes lack the experienced feeling and knowing of this peace and joy. Sometimes we're crippled by a season. We're, we're crushed by difficulty. 
that we won't experience necessarily in this moment peace. We won't experience what we feel to be joy and satisfaction. But we will uh, continue to experience Christ. But, but it is a Christian experience to, to feel that lack of joy. And you know how I know that is because we have this verse here in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul is praying. Listen again. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May he. It is a request. It is not a given that just because you're a Christian, who Paul is addressing here, by the way, just because you're a Christian does not mean you are full of joy and peace. So Paul's praying for it because he knows that you may be lacking it and I may be lacking it and that believers in Rome might be lacking it. The beauty of this verse is that it is written at the end of the section that began in Romans chapter 14 and it brings us to, to chapter 15 verse 13. And if you recall the section of Romans 14, it has different types of believers. There are some who are mature, long-lived Christians who have grown in their faith, they're mature in their faith, and there's some who are baby Christians, they are brand new to the faith, they may be immature with a lot of ways to grow. But Paul ends that entire section, both to mature and immature Christians, to old Christians and new Christians, he ends it with, may you, all of you, be filled with joy and peace. All of you, doesn't matter how mature you are, how old you are in Christ, you still may lack joy and peace in a moment, in a season. So he prays for it. He prays for it. It's amazing what he does. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And I love how the verse ends. It says, So that you may abound in hope. So there is a prayer, a request, and a conclusion that hope will abound. And there is a center part full of the meat of it. Romans chapter 5 really reflects this concept as well. It says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Ultimately, we were at war with him because of our sinfulness, because of our inclination towards sin and self. And in Christ, he changes that. Our desire, when Christ comes into our life, our desire is to live for him, to please him. Doesn't mean we do it perfectly, but that's our now, our new affection, our new desires. We want to Live for him because we're now a friend, not an enemy of God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.2, the next verse says, Through him we've also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope that there is uh, one day we get to be with God. The glory of God, that the amazing, beautiful, merciful presence of God the unhindered presence of God, we rejoice in the hope of that through Christ. Not through our own doing, not through our own abilities, but through Christ. And then Romans 5.5 5 says this, and this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now faith and hope are tied together. We know that. How many times do we always hear faith coupled with hope? When you have faith, your hope increases. When you have hope, your faith is encouraged. Hebrews chapter 11, when it's defining what faith is, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. And that brings us right back here to verse 13. Have a look. 
So it says, may the God of hope. And then it finishes by saying, you may abound in hope. There is a center connection to this prayer, the request, and the fulfillment that you may abound in hope. That causes you, this center connection causes you, even though things may be dark and gloomy, it causes you not to lose hope, not to lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, So we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, though circumstance crumbles your life, it says, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The affliction's preparing us to anticipate what God has in perfection for us. And so we don't lose heart. Though the situation has not changed, though things are getting worse, our hearts are being renewed, encouraged day by day. Well, how does it happen? By hoping in God. David, uh, King David, when he was discouraged, when he was um, in a dark place, he preached to himself. He, he spoke to himself. Here's what he said in Psalm 42. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I again shall praise Him, my salvation and my God. David's in the midst of dark gloom. And he doesn't say, God, deliver me from the gloom. He often prays for that, and that's okay. But ultimately, when he preaches to himself, he preaches that he would hope in God. God is here not only the source of hope, but the object of our hope. He's not only the one that supplies our hope, but he's the one to which our hope is aimed at. We are looking at him as the hope. Our verse says, may the God of hope fill you. It's, it's continual. It's not one time when you, when you came to Jesus that he should fill you then with hope and joy and you've got to live off of that for the rest of your life. You better make sure it lasts. That's not the case. This is a prayer of continual filling. May God continue to fill you with joy and hope. And here's where. It says, in believing. In believing, it, it's in God. He is the source of and the object of our hope. It's as we trust in Him, as we walk with Him, as we look to Him as our source in believing. As, as we put ourselves fully on Him and trust ourselves to Him, that's where it says this comes from. The joy and the hope that we often lack. Paul's praying for it here and he says it comes as you believe. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is all satisfying? Do you believe the things about, the, the, what the scripture says about your forgiveness? That it's not based upon what you've done, but it's based upon Christ. Do you believe that? Hope in God. Quit looking to the circumstance, but hope in God. Look through your circumstance to God, the one who gives you forgiveness. Hope in Him. Because there you will be satisfied. You'll experience joy. For this moment, you might not see it because all you can see before you is the, the guilt. All you can see is the sin you've committed. But when we preach the gospel to ourselves, we say, hope in God. Our forgiveness is not based upon our ability to clean up or to not screw up again. Our, our hope and our joy, our satisfaction is in Him. So that's why it says, may the God, He's asking, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing as you trust, as you walk with Him, as you believe. It's not when you've done something. 
It's not when you have uh, figured it out or cleaned yourself up. It's when you believe. Do you believe the gospel that you don't deserve forgiveness, but God is gracious and merciful? Do you believe it? That he's given it to you? Do you believe that you are forgiven forever? Do you believe that? Do you believe Romans 8.1 that says there's no more condemnation for you? You'll never be condemned for your sin because Christ was condemned fully. Do you believe it? Because there, in Him, as you believe and as you remember and you recall, then joy will come. Satisfaction will come because you're satisfied in Jesus and in all that He has done, not in your own life and what's before you and what has changed or not changed. It's in believing that we are filled with joy and in hope. But it's from God. The amazing thing is we cannot produce this in and of ourselves. That's when we feel let down, is when we try to stir up some sort of joy and hope in ourselves. Here the verse says, May God fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not by you, it's may God do it through the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit that is within us, that, that it speaks to us through His Word. May He fill us with joy and hope as we believe, as we trust in Him an amazing prayer that we ought to take on ourselves. A few things to consider for you. The first is when you experience a lack of joy and of peace, maybe resulting in doubt or, or guilt, where do you go? Where Does your hope shrivel up? And if it does, if your hope shrivels up, if your joy and your peace is, is lacking, take note of the source or the object of your hope. What was it? What was it that caused you to feel in that moment that your joy is gone, that your joy has been robbed from you, and that your hope is missing, that your peace is missing? Take note of the very thing, the circumstance, and then look beyond it and say, that must be an idol. If, I, if it's robbing me of what I think is ultimate joy, my ultimate relationship with Jesus, if this situation and this circumstance is robbing me, I need to believe. I need to believe in Him. I need to trust in Him again to to get me through this season, to help me to look past this season and hope in God. It doesn't mean the season ever gets better. But eternity's coming. Eternity is coming. And so we, we slay a present idol, anything that's going to rob us of that joy, anything that we have elevated to a point of disappointing us beyond all compare, we slay that idol and we say, I look to Him. May God fill me. As I believe, as I entrust myself to Him, may He fill me by His Spirit. The first thing is you understand what is causing you to lack hope. Second is you pray. You pray just like Paul did here. May God fill me. And not just me. Paul here is praying for others, for the other believers around him. It, the amazing context of 14 into 15 in Romans here is these people who have various opinions and they could argue and they could be judgmental of one another, but instead Paul's encouraging them in Christ to serve one another. And here he's praying for all of them as we ought to pray for all of our brothers and sisters, no matter how we disagree and on what part we may pray that God would fill them with joy and peace as they believe, as they entrust themselves to him, not joy and peace in this life, like, hey, make their life easy. No, may God fill them. May God fill them by the Spirit so that they may abound in hope. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. And the third and last thing is trust. Trust. Believe. 
in His promises. Believe in His Word. Because when we believe in His Word, when we believe that, when the Bible says you're not condemned, when you truly believe that, that will produce joy. So if you feel lacking joy, believe the gospel. Go and preach it again to yourself. And if you can't do that, have someone else preach it to you to remind you. You are forgiven. You are free. You are Jesus's. There is hope. By the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, and through the people of God, that's how the Spirit's working. Through His Word and through His people, He produces in us joy and peace that results in hope. Because here, the verse says, right? May God fill us by the Spirit. And we know the Spirit works through His Word, through His people. So God's going to fill us through His people. God's going to fill us through His church. God's going to fill us through His Word so that we ultimately may abound in hope. We need the Word to preach at our uh, our false idols. We need the Word to, to show us that joy is not in this life, but it is beyond. We need each other to give us peace and hope as we believe. So may we then recognize the source of our joy, pray that God would fill us, and ultimately entrust ourselves as we do, as we hear from the Holy Spirit through His Word and through His people. May we, you and I, be those who get to abound in hope because we've entrusted ourselves to Jesus. The source of hope that will not put us to shame. Let's pray to that end. Well, Father, we are so uh, thankful that in this world you say you will offer us hope, hope beyond this life, hope in the things unseen, the, the, the conviction of those things not seen. And that will not put us to shame because you always keep your promises. You have never once failed your people. You are steadfast in your love until the end. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Help us then to believe that. Help us then to entrust ourselves to that truth. That by your spirit, through your people, and through your word, you may encourage us and fill us with joy and satisfaction in you as our, as our hope. And, and may we have peace in you as our hope as well. We thank you so much for your word that encourages us in this world that is often hopeless. We look to you for our hope this morning. We pray for one another. In Christ's name, amen.